Welcome back to Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers, the podcast devoted to exploring the frontiers of psychedelic medicine and what it takes to cultivate a healthy mind, body, and spirit. I'm Dr. Steve Thayer, and today my co-host Dr. Reed Robinson and I talk about love. We discuss what love is, how it's extended and received, the concept of unconditional positive regard in psychotherapy, why it's so important for us to feel seen and understood, the role feelings of love play in psychedelic medicine, and much, much more. If any of you are interested in offering psychedelic-assisted therapy to clients, Numinous offers unique training opportunities for mental health practitioners to develop this expertise. These courses are carefully crafted by Numinous professionals, including myself, Reed, Joe, and, and others, and they offer a variety of high-quality learning experiences. So if you'd like to learn more about these trainings, you can find the link in our show notes. You can also visit numinous.com forward slash training. That's numinous.com forward slash training. If you'd like to support the show, you can always do so by leaving us a rating and or review in places like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you to those of you who have done that already. And without further ado, please enjoy today's episode about love. So Reed, this morning, uh, I went out to the lobby to get my therapy client mm-hmm. and I said what I'd normally say, hey, it's good to see you. And as we're walking back to my office, my client goes, you know what? It's good to be seen. And I was like, yeah, mm. it is good to be seen. So we spent the first little bit of the session talking about what's so special about therapy. One of the things that's so special about therapy, what this client really likes about therapy is they have somebody seeing them, witnessing them with undivided attention and with positive regard. It had me thinking about this concept of being seen, but also how it's connected more broadly to what we're talking about today, which is no small topic, the topic of love. Yeah, that's really cool that they said that. I like it because yeah. it, it touches on one of the core needs to be seen, to be understood, to be celebrated, all tying into this core longing, yearning we have to be loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have. there are a couple of quotes that I found in, in prep from this episode about that aspect of our yearning and longing to be loved. One's from John Tarrant the director of the Pacific Zen Institute, he says, attention is the most basic form of love. Through it, we we bless and are blessed. I really like that. Yeah, it it reminds me of uh, this idea that attention, especially in childhood, is the currency of love. Mm -hmm. Like, what greater gift can you give to your kids? Yeah, and, and, you know, my kids are still pretty young. I have a, well, I guess he's now 10, my youngest. But he's sort of the king of, hey, dad, look at this watch this, check this out, watch me. Um, and yeah. it's, I remember that as a kid, really, like I remember I'd mow the back lawn without being asked. And I was just waiting for my dad to notice, you know, <laughs> waiting mm-hmm. for him. He'd be washing the dishes and he'd look out the, the window above the kitchen sink and be like, oh, somebody mowed the lawn. I was just like, yes, it feels so good to be noticed, to be validated, yeah. to be seen by my dad. Now we've talked about before on on previous episodes, the concept of unconditional positive regard from mm. Carl Rogers and client-centered therapy. And and it's easy to say he just used that concept because he couldn't say the word love back then. Therapy, the world wasn't ready for love, perhaps, but I don't think that's the whole answer. Like when you dig into his quotes on it, he was really believing that the therapist's role is to um, 
see the innate value in the human um, and recognize them as doing the best they can regardless of whatever behavior, like no judgment, mm -hmm. so they can feel seen, like your client said, and that's the container for healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you believe very much in setting this this unconditional container. Um, and the idea being that if, if we as therapists provide that for people, especially for people who maybe didn't get that when they were younger, this fundamental need, that they will naturally progress toward wholeness or act, actualization, self-actualization. Yeah. Yeah. There's even something I read from Carl Rogers once. It talks about when someone feels seen or heard, their eyes water in this like deep appreciation for feeling seen by another. And uh, like you said, that's the, that's where the journey towards self-realization begins. Mm -hmm. I've got another quote here by Paul Tillich. Uh, the first duty of love is to listen. Yeah. I think listening is Another, another sort of version of what we're talking about here of being seen. Like if you really listen to somebody, or for, I'll speak from, from my own experience. When I can tell that somebody is really paying attention, really listening to me, then I really feel regarded. I really feel like, oh, what I have to say or who I am must matter to this person because they're actually paying attention. Again, another one of the, I think these uh, factors in psychotherapy and in good relationships that uh, make them good. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned it on here before, but it's like the reason we enjoy podcasting is because we can literally set our phones aside and not be disturbed and have a conversation of uh, listening to one another. Mm -hmm. Feels good. It does feel good. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking of the times in my life when I have felt really loved and they involve what we're talking about now for sure. Um, but uh, like my wife gave me this... this um, uh, this it's called a Nova drum, but it's like a little steel tongue drum mm -hmm. for Christmas. And, uh, I got it and I, I just felt, <laughs> I felt so seen loved by her. Cause she'd heard me talk about really wanting a, like a, a steel drum. Um, and I didn't say like, please, I want this for Christmas. This is something she just noticed me talking about. She gets me. Yeah. And she went to great lengths. She did a lot of research. Like there was so much love behind the delivery of the gift. Um, yeah, I just felt super seen and loved by Yeah, so that's like note to self, reminder, takeaway number one is like, you know, there is a lot of love in the active listening and the empathetic presence. Um, and you could feel that in other people. Like you scan your minds for the people where you just bask in their presence because they are there and they see you, they try to understand, mm -hmm. and they're not instantly trying to insert their story over yours or their agenda. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if you're curious about how you might show love or more love to a loved one, that's a good way. That's a good place to start. Yeah. The other thing you're, uh, we were talking about kids and, and, uh, the ad attention being the currency of love. Another thing coming out of Carl Rogers work that I, I liked is when you apply unconditional positive regard to kids, mm. you look at, uh, this attitude that it represents for parents to let, like, just let the kid know that they are loved and valued no matter what, even if they mess up. It's not a free ticket to behave badly all the time. Mm -hmm. It's it's more about, like, just making sure through it all they feel loved because on the flip side of that, if you don't, then the kid might grow up with perfect behavior but lacking self-love, self-respect, 
And that's devastating, mm. like at the core of so many mental health struggles and suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of like the best strategies I think that I have deployed as a parent have been the ones that set boundaries for my kids, you know, the clear boundaries, even when they, when they bump up against those boundaries, they might, you know, it might be hard for them. Oh, I can't have what I wanted or whatever. Um, but it's in a container of love that's communicated by what we're talking about, by listening in particular and, and the unconditional part that you mentioned that Rogers was, mm -hmm. you know, such a proponent of is really, really important. And one of the ways to communicate that unconditional aspect of love is through reflection. Like if you can show that you're really, really listening and that you're listening in a, val a validating, mm -hmm. non-judgmental way, if you just sort of say back to the, to, and in this case, the kid, what you think they're going through. So simple statements like my, one of my children is, is really upset. I might say, I'm not going to say like, you know, stuff it <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. or stop crying or whatever. We talked about this a lot on the show, but I might just say, oh, you're really, really upset right now. Even mm -hmm. if them being upset is really inconvenient for me, what an act of love to simply, as we say, often hold space for them and, and hold that space by communicating, hey, I see that you're upset. It's okay that you're upset. All your emotions are acceptable here. Mm -hmm. And I will love you because of them and in spite of any inconvenience you might be to me. It's a wonderful expression of love and yeah. validation. I think it's worth really reiterating, even though we have talked about it before when we talk about emotions, like the need to validate, validate, validate before reassuring or fixing anything. Mm -hmm. Like I uh, can understand why you would be upset because of this and just repeating it um, two, three times so they really know you understand. And then that, like being seen, like it feels good to be seen, is like that's what takes like so much of the suffering, not all of it, but so much of it away immediately when you feel like you're not alone in it or someone sees and understands you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes me think of the term validation. I'm, I am communicating to you that you are valid. Yeah. That your feelings are valid. You know, one of the one of the things that hurts the most is judgment from others, implying that what the way we're being or what we think or how we are isn't valid to that person, or that they they reject it outright. It's part of the anatomy of social anxiety, right? This worry that we're going to embarrass ourselves so horribly that people aren't going to like us. They're not going to want us around. They're going to reject us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. You know, love means a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. The word, it's pretty, it's almost comical mm -hmm. uh, because it's been talked about by spiritual giants through the ages across different parts of the globe. Um, but then, uh, you know, we use it these days for so many different things, like everything from I love you to I love you, man, to I love this juicy steak. Right, right. <laughs> and like, can you love a juicy steak unconditionally like it might might be a different i don't know i think my love for steak is very conditional <laughs> it has to be cooked just right yeah although i've i've eaten some steaks that weren't amazing and i've still really appreciated them um but appreciation i guess is another form of love yeah so there are there are different uh ways we embody it right mm -hmm. like there's giving love there's receiving it and in therapy and in, in life, we work on identifying and removing obstacles to those. And um, there's self-love. Mm. Like both of those 
things pointed inward um, that is thankfully being recognized more and more these days. But uh, yeah, it was overlooked for so long and matters so much in terms of our ability to love others too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, self-love is, it's a, I mean, why is self-love so hard for us? <laughs> why is it so hard for so many of our clients? But you know, I'm speaking now from my own experience. What makes self-love sometimes re- much, much harder than loving another? Yeah, it's it's almost shocking and sometimes comical, the level of like self-criticism and even self-loathing that goes on beneath the surface and when we share that, especially in the presence of a supportive other, and it gets blasted away, that's when we almost can laugh at the absurdity of it, mm-hmm. of like, wow, I was fearing all of this, like fearing that you might judge me, that you might uh, leave when in fact the opposite is true. That was the narrative in my mind. And But to answer your question, I think it most often stems from that place of early in life, the bosom of the family, when there was not that unconditional positive regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, it might be the absence of it, or it might be messages to the contrary, right? Yeah. That that you're terrible or you suck or you're an object. Do this and then you're a good boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Conditional, conditional attention, conditional affection, conditional approval and praise. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. It's pretty easy to, to conclude that you are only worthy of love if you are a certain way, if that was communicated to you explicitly when you were younger. And it's like the accidental message of many uh, religions too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, uh, I think just the fact that language is so fallible and misses the mark so much um, where, uh, yeah, we get, uh, we get caught up in this idea that we have to earn love when mm-hmm. we are innately worthy. And we, in fact, depending on how you look at it, are love. We're also the victim of um, sort of late stage capitalism and the advertising messages that basically tell us, you know, they play on this desire that we have to be loved and accepted and say, you are insufficient unless you have this item or unless you achieve this beauty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you buy our product or if you, so they, they create the deficiency and then they give you a pro, a solution to the problem that they created for you by saying you're not enough, unless you use, I don't know, Pantene Pro V <laughs> shampoo yeah. or something like that. Or get butt implants, right. you know, these thin beauty ideals, not even thin beauty ideals. It used to be, um, more of that, but they're, mm. they're, the common thread is they're unrealistic, mm-hmm. uh, unattainable, um, driven by you know, capitalism and other forces at sure. play, but it's, uh, yeah, it can be so damaging and because we spend so much time in such a vulnerable place absorbing the narrative of unworthiness. Yeah, unworthiness and not enoughness. Yeah. Um, and that you have to earn it, you have to prove it, you have to uh, behave a certain way to be deserving of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what? concept I like. Um, I heard Marianne Williamson uh, give this analogy once. Mm. She even ran for president once upon a time, but she's a a Course of Miracles teacher. And uh, her book, uh, Return to Love, I'm a big fan of. Mm. Um, But she gave the analogy of uh, like, the universe is like this house wired for electricity. And we are 
the lamps. Love is the electricity. Mm. And if a lamp is not plugged in, what's its value, right? It might look pretty, it might look weird. I mean, every lamp is in a different sure. shape and size. Um, but we plug into this force of love, of electricity. It lights us up and we spread that light. Um, and I thought that was a good way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it lights us up and we spread that light. You know, love is not only a, a noun, it's a, it's a verb. Like you, you, there are acts of love. There are ways to show love. There's mm-hmm. that famous or infamous book, The Five Love Languages, depending mm-hmm. on your opinion, um, that talk about the ways that people like to receive love and the ways that people tend to give love. Um, I, you know, I, when I think about, I think that what are they? Words of affirmation, service, cert, gifts. like gifts, yeah, quality touch. time, physical touch. Uh, I like them all. I'll, I'll accept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll accept any. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I like to give love through words of affirmation and quality. Well, I guess all of them too. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't taken the quiz. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. I find it interesting because uh, they are all, in fact, ways of showing it. And some people resonate more with some than others. But like when I take those quizzes. There'll be, I'll get points in all categories, mm-hmm. like you said, but, but I find it interesting to show where we might have blocks to receiving love when things are just like, no, I don't like gifts. Mm. <laughs> it, it, it highlights other things as well. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, on that lamp light analogy, then the concept of enlightenment becomes interesting because mm. Um, enlightenment is like turning the lights on or a a radical shift in perspective where you're no longer identifying with just the lamp. Like I'm not my body. I'm not my mind. Uh, I am something greater than that. Like when I'm plugged into that force, I am illuminating. I'm spreading this light with others. Mm -hmm. And the the people we've talked about enlightenment a couple of times in the show too, the people who seem to be, enlightened, they do have that quality about them of love, of radiating love, of loving themselves unapologetically because, you know, we are all one or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, But what it seems like, whatever it is, when you have that kind of awareness, you can't help but love. You can't help but radiate love. Yeah. And so another takeaway or potentially a homework thing to try on is, uh, Thinking of all the ways you can radiate love in day-to-day life, like even at the grocery store mm-hmm. or as you're passing a stranger on the street, uh, just seeing what happens as you offer a smile or eye contact or um, any of those love languages, like uh, saying something complimentary, mm-hmm. f- for example, um, because you never know what the impact of that is, those little tiny acts. Like you may be exactly what the other person needs in that moment to yeah. brighten their day. Yeah, don't underestimate those acts. I, I mean, when I, uh, when I purchase something, like at a gas station or whatever, and the, the person you know, running the, the, t- the counter, mm-hmm. when they make eye contact with me and they smile and they say, like, hope you have a good day, and it seems authentic, I really love that, partly because I know that working in that kind of job probably sucks for most people, right? I don't want to make too many assumptions, but I worked plenty of jobs like that growing up. I didn't really enjoy doing them. So when people, in spite of their circumstances, 
are radiating love, it really impacts me. Like it, it can, it can be the pivot point for the day for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, wait, love really is the answer. Is love really all you is need? Is love really all you need? Yeah. Um, I was, we were talking before we hit record, uh, there was a time in psychedelic ceremony where I found myself trapped, delightfully trapped in this loop of just singing, love is all you need. Love is all you need <laughs> over and over and over again. Could have been a worse loop. <laughs> certainly, certainly could have been. But it, it reminded me of one of the passages in Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, that really stood out to me. Like when mm -hmm. I thought, when I think about his book and all the, and all the things that were great about it, this one always jumps to mind. So I, I looked it up in preparation for this episode and I, and I want to read it. Maybe as a segue to talk more about love and psychedelics. So in his book, How to Change Your Mind, Paulin says, psychedelic experiences are notoriously hard to render in words. To try is necessarily to do violence to what has been seen and felt, which is in some fundamental way pre or post linguistic, or as students of mysticism say, ineffable. Emotions arrive in all their newborn nakedness, unprotected from the harsh light of scrutiny, and especially the pitiless glare of irony. Platitudes that wouldn't seem out of place on a Hallmark card flow with the force of revealed truth. Love is everything. <laughs> okay, but what else did you learn? No, you must not have heard me. It's everything. Is a platitude so deeply felt still just a platitude? No, I decided. A platitude is precisely what is left of a truth after it has been drained of all emotion. That was the line that Cool. Stuck with me. I love that. A platitude is precisely what is left after a truth has been drained of all emotion. To resaturate that dried husk with feeling is to see it again for what it is, the loveliest and most deeply rooted of truths hidden, hidden in plain sight. That's beautiful. So maybe love is all we need. Mm. And it's certainly a conclusion that a lot of people have when they have powerful, positive psychedelic experiences, which is one of the many mechanisms of change, we think, when we use psychedelics therapeutically for people who are depressed or anxious or traumatized. Yeah, I can't, I mean, I can't think of anything more powerful in healing and growth than love. Like mm -hmm. the presence of a supportive other, the ability to love oneself, like love in those ways is a force multiplier on your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of a, a client I had once during a ketamine experience who encountered themselves for the first time through this lens of love. Mm -hmm. People, you know, people, they would say, people would tell me that they love me. People would tell me that I'm lovable. And I would get it cognitively, but I didn't feel it. You know, there was this barrier. Mm -hmm. Whenever it did, ketamine dissolved this barrier for a time and they not only, you know, understood it cognitively, but they felt it, it connected head and heart and they felt it deeply. And of course that deep and abiding feeling didn't last for eternity for this person. It, it, as they returned to quote unquote normal consciousness, um, a lot of their narratives, their unhelpful narratives returned, but they had this experiential bookmark that now they yeah. can work toward. I like that experiential bookmark, like psychedelics as way showers or shining a light on something that you can remember or file away and revisit in your integration practices to remember, you know, how to love oneself, how to give and receive love or remember the obstacles to love that you encountered in your shadow work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why we think that MDMA in particular is such a helpful therapy catalyst 
um, because it's an empathogen, it's an intactogen. It helps you come into contact with this loving feeling um, devoid of all the conditions that yeah. we generally put on love. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, one of our favorite Ram Dass quotes in the form of a song. We've mm -hmm. talked about it before, but remembering when we were facilitating a retreat a couple weeks ago, mid-ceremony, um, I remember looking at you and thinking like, you know, the playlist was kind of moving ahead. I'm like, should I do it? Should I drop the uh, sit around the fire bomb? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we did it. And uh, it's amazing what that uh, that story does to open people up because he talks about um, quiet the mind, open the heart. Mm -hmm. And how do you do it? Like, how do you quiet the mind? You meditate. How do you open the heart? You love that which you can love, and you keep expanding it. Like a tree, yeah. a river, a human. Right. Yeah, that was, for that ceremony, it was kind of a turning point, I think. And then we went on to play, uh, there's the one East Forest album, I think it's East Forest album, where it's kind of sort of older Ram Dass, post-stroke Ram Dass, yeah. and he's, t he's sort of playing with that phrase, I am loving awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it, it's powerful. That's my favorite mantra these days, has been for many months, is uh, I am loving awareness. Like if, you know, when I can't uh, come up with another intention, like when in doubt, that is all encompassing. Mm -hmm. Like uh, just plugging back into that channel of consciousness that is love instead of what's the alternative fear. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's really powerful especially if, if you're grappling with self-criticism um, or feeling, you know, worthless, to be able to view even that feeling, even that experience of that belief with loving awareness. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to wriggle out of its, its clutches when you allow loving awareness to take hold. Yeah, it pulls you out of your egoic stuck place, connected to something so much bigger where... You know, you almost can't get swallowed up by the suffering anymore when you're plugged into that state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another one of the things that people report experiencing on psychedelics is a connection to some kind of greater whole or connection to others. So it's not just about loving self, but it's about loving everything. It's about loving people, like like mm -hmm. you were referencing with Ram Dass's quote, loving a tree, loving a human, loving a river, loving a dog, a cat, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um and it, it tends to lead, if the research is to be believed, at least the preliminary research, to openness to experience, to people being more malleable and flexible mm -hmm. with this new insight that, you know, you can't help but love things that are also you when they are bathed in this light, this sort of warm, accepting, unconditional light of love. Yeah, it's that experience in psychedelics of being love. Mm -hmm. Like there's, mm -hmm. we talked about giving love, receiving love, loving oneself, but there's also this oneness, this dissolving of the barriers, um, not only within ourself to give and receive love, but mm -hmm. between individuals to feel our innate oneness, that we are all connected. We are all, you know, a collective, you know, pool of like humanity mm -hmm. in this together, you know? Yeah, the collective pool of humanity made me think mm -hmm. of is it Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion? Yeah, and one of the one of the legs to that three-legged stool is common humanity. 
mm-hmm. realizing that none of us really know what's going on. <laughs> we're all oh, in this yeah. together. To 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 uh, reference Ramdas again, we're all walking we're walking each other home. Mm-hmm. Um, so to recognize that like you're not uniquely terrible, you're not uniquely great either. It's it's okay that we're all sort of just figuring this out together. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and in that uh, Ramdas quote, or in the the East Forest song, after he's saying you love a cat, you love a tree, it's like you go deeper and deeper until you get to the source of it all. Mm. And I think that's what we're talking about. That love, that light, that you can become loving awareness that is essentially unflappable, untouchable in terms of like the greatest force of all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm remembering my religious upbringing and the, and the notion that God is love, mm-hmm. that love is God. Yeah, like, and we get hung up on the words again mm-hmm. of, uh, like, if someone says Jesus Christ or Muhammad or, or like, Buddha, mm-hmm. Buddha heart, um, you know, it might trigger different people in different ways, but in the end, like, those words, those archetypes are symbols of this love of God or mm-hmm. this God's love that we are talking about, like, embodying, remembering, aspiring to. Yeah, right. There's so much more we could talk about with respect to love. We didn't have a ton of recording time today, but is there any any sort of final thoughts or anything that you wanted to make sure we could share with our listeners? You know, um, I think... uh, I think we've covered everything there is to say about love. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I could uh, leave with a Carl Carl Rogers quote, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, Just uh, in the spirit of trying some of these ideas on, um, he, he said, when the other person is hurting, confused, troubled, anxious, alienated, terrified, when he or she is doubtful of self worth, uncertain as to identity, then understanding is called for, like that validation we're talking about. The gentle and sensitive companionship of an empathetic stance provides illumination and healing. In such situations, deep understanding is, I believe, the most precious gift one can give another. Mm. And to tie it back to even psychedelic therapy, like to bring love into there is to create a safe container that allows the person to heal, like to heal and grow themselves. And, and that applies to relationship. That applies to every interaction we have in life. Yeah. It even applies to the people who, um, we might describe as our enemies or people who we don't really, really like. I'll, uh, forgive me for stealing the thunder. Quote battle. There's another quote here. One of my favorites by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who said, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. Uh, it's a great quote about empathy and compassion. And we could, if we had more time, we'd talk about maybe the difference between empathy and compassion. But um, yeah, folks, if you want to hear me and Reed talk more about love, email us, <laughs> let us yeah. know. Or if you thought this was ridiculous and we didn't know what we were talking about, email us and tell us that. We're open to feedback. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers is brought to you by Numinous, 
a mental wellness company committed to tackling the global mental health crisis by delivering best-in-class psychedelic-assisted therapies, contributing to the body of primary and clinical psychedelic research, and fostering healing through community connection and social responsibility. You can learn more about Numinous at Numinous.com. That's N-U-M-I-N-U-S.com. If you enjoyed the show today and you want to support us, here's how you do it. Rate and review the show on platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe to the Numinous YouTube channel. Like the videos and share it. Share the show or clips of the show with someone that you think will enjoy it. Hey listeners, it's Steve Thayer here, letting you know that Numinous offers unique training opportunities for mental health practitioners to develop their skills and expertise in offering psychedelic-assisted therapy to clients. These courses are carefully crafted by Numinous professionals like myself, Reed, Joe, and others, and offer a variety of high-quality learning experiences. So, if you would like to learn more about these trainings, you can find the link in the show notes below, or you can visit Numinous.com forward slash training. That's Numinous.com forward slash training. The content of this podcast does not constitute medical advice or mental health treatment. Consult with a medical or mental health professional if you believe you are in need of mental health treatment.